Hello, you're listening to People, Pets, and Vets with Dr. Brad Miller and Registered Veterinary Technician Angel Martin. Hello. Each week, we bring you current events and news in the veterinary industry and share our thoughts and perspective on how they impact us in our animal hospital. We also try to give you an inside and behind-the-scenes glance at our clinic and the people in it. This episode 45 is being brought to you once again by Georgia Veterinary Associates, a family of animal hospitals caring for your family pet. So, we are here in beautiful, beautiful Lawrenceville, Georgia. Mild weather, what, 60s today, kind of foggy this morning. It's super uh, foggy this morning. We had a really harsh rain last night. Yeah, so um, I predict we are going to get hammered in uh, the metro Atlanta area in February with an ice storm because we've had basically zero um, winter weather thus far. So, um what was the word or phrase of the week last week? I'm blanking. I don't remember. It'll come to us. Okay. I was going to do intussusception this week, but instead I thought I would link the uh, word of the week to um, interesting case of the week. Okay, great. What is it? So the word this week is physis. Are you quizzing me? P-H- Y-S-I-S. So I'm going to talk my way through this and kind of explain it out loud. Essentially, it's like a communion, like where things come together, but it's a growth plate. Yes? Growth plate. plate. Yes. Ding, ding, ding. Growth plate. So I think most people listening have heard a growth plate uh, mentioned before. Sure. And that basically is an area of long bone growth. It's how... It's how bones grow. Um, they don't grow from the center. It's on it's on the, the, the ends, ends. Of, of them. And so it's technically called a, a physis. And so um, the reason, again, linking that back to a case, I saw a case referred from one of our other hospitals that was seen, um, gosh, it's been, I think, almost two months ago. And it is now a 13-month-old doodle, doodle dog um, that came in with a right rear lameness. And whenever I saw the dog and started flexing and manipulating its hip, I felt this crunch and actually heard it as well. The owner was sitting there and she heard it also. And so uh, previously they had x-rayed the dog and did not really find any problems. They thought maybe it was a sprained knee uh, because the hips looked great. But when we repeated the x-rays a couple of days ago, uh, the dog had kind of a dislocating hip because at the very top of the femur on what's called the capital physis, the the ball part of the joint, uh, that growth plate had been damaged um, whenever they took the pet in to be seen. But when it was initially seen, this is a long story, right? It's a very long story, but it's Uh, engaging. But once, so x-rays were taken and the attending veterinarian as well as the radiologist did not see a fracture. They noted the hips to be normal. But when we saw it roughly two months later, we felt some abnormalities. We repeated the x-rays. Hip was coming out of joint with the the ballpark fractured at what was the physis back at that time. So long story short, couple couple of key points here. Um, the physis or growth plate is a very weak part of a bone. So we will see a lot of young animals go through some type of trauma and they can fracture through that area. 
And what we're going to do with Does this... that lead to like, def- not necessarily deformities, but does it lead to growth complications? So yes, multiple injuries can happen. If you have a crushing injury um, to that entire growth plate, it will affect the future growth of that long bone. Um, in this particular case, most of the growth has already taken place in this doodle dog. Mm-hmm. And so it's not going to affect how long one of the bones is or not. But... Um, and I forget exactly how to classify. You classify them Salter Harris types of fractures. And so this is either a, I think it's probably like a, a Salter Harris three uh, fracture. But what we're going to need to do is go in and do an, an FHO, a femoral head and neck ostectomy, uh, which actually will be done tomorrow. Okay. Uh, we're going to remove the head and neck of the femur so that we can get the dog out of pain and it will basically create a false joint. So I was going to say, so when people come in and like I'm the technician checking them in and they ask like, oh, well, what does that mean? And so then they have questions like if you explain it as a ball and socket joint of your hip right. and you're taking off the ball of the ball and socket, then how will they use that? And so what you just explained is that it's going to create a false joint. So can you elaborate just a little? Yeah. So once we remove the head and neck, we make sure it's a nice smooth cut and nothing's rough. That's going to hurt the dog moving forward. But we're basically eliminating um, the cartilage aspect from the femur uh, involved in the in the joint itself. And so we don't have abnormal bone rubbing on cartilage. We are going to kind of we're removing the head and the neck, and then we suture the joint capsule back into place so that we're we're basically holding the femur where it should be, but we're just we've eliminated that cartilage in the surface, and so we're where there's no pain, but the the joint capsule and the surrounding soft tissues hold the quote unquote joint in place, but it's not a true quote unquote joint. It is called a pseudo pseudo arthresis. So that was going to be my next question. So why don't how, what keeps the leg in place and that it's not just dangling? How are they still able to use it and walk and that kind of thing if it's not connected any longer? So joint capsule, surrounding muscles, primarily your gluteal muscles. Okay, perfect. And then the big thing on these cases, which I shared with the owner, is you have got to rehab them and keep them uh, with good range of motion. Uh, keep them using the leg, and, and typically they do very 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 well. So that is actually, I think that's a cooler thing to talk about like an FHO than the physis aspect, but maybe we'll talk about that again later. Um, while you were doing that, I actually thought of the word of last week. Do you remember it now? No. Black tarry stool. Oh yeah. Melania. Melania. (laughs) Melania Trump. No. (laughs) Yeah. So I actually, yesterday I was looking, I don't scroll through social media because I don't really use it. I just kind of, I guess, see what other people are up to. Wow, you're nosy. Nosy, creepy, (laughs) creeper, whatever you would call that. But I did come across the post uh, that you had of the puffin. I think there were three things. There was the the blurry puffin with the stick. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, Which is like the only photo available, so right. it, it wasn't my photo. I essentially borrowed it from whoever published the what, article. What, what was the first photo? It was the Mexican flag. The Mexican flag, yes. Uh, which is, I think, no, different story. <laughs> Italy and Ireland or Northern Ireland flag, extremely close. Very similar, yeah. Um, and then the third picture was this this black tarry stool diarrhea on the on the floor. <laughs> and I'm like, what in the world is she thinking? And I'm like, oh. That was yes, of course, but like you have to slide to get to it, right? Like I didn't start with that. I try on Instagram not to inundate people with disgusting or potentially graphic things if they're not used to seeing stuff like that. So maybe post something this week. I don't know. We've got the X-rays downstairs. You could maybe 
take a picture of this. Maybe, I don't know. Point out the physis? Yeah. Okay, for that, sure. That might be good. So, um, all right. Let's kind of dive into the news stories. Um, the Australian fires are... All over the news. Unfortunately in the news, and it's kind of a tragic thing that's going on. For sure. Um, I feel like the wildlife that is being destroyed, there was some estimate I read earlier uh, you know, millions of animals not only so, being displaced but being yeah. uh, killed during these fires. Totally different than what happens in California because we don't have wildfires around here. Right. But every year it seems like the California right along the coastline. You well, know, they have fire season. Yeah. Like we have tornado season or the Caribbean has hurricane season. They have fire season. So the fact that the fires happen is not uncommon. It's but it's the, the size of them. Yeah, the size and the duration in which they're lasting is greater and greater. Um, so I actually read in the New York Times that it's estimated to be one billion animals. One billion, okay. Yeah, but yet nobody's really confirmed that. There's no way to confirm it. Um, right now in social media, and I'm going to be the kind of the negative Nancy over here, it is very sad. Um, but the only thing you see are these sad little koalas that are burnt. And, and flying, I saw flying foxes. They look kind of like bats, like oh, big bats. Um, but yeah, the koalas are definitely in the news. Um, but it's because they're so cute and they're pulling on people's emotions. Like there was one article or one like GoFundMe or something on Facebook that I saw a couple weeks ago before the Golden Globes. And it was like at 4.4 million. And then the Golden Globes pledged, uh, yeah. you know, all the celebrities at the Globes pledged. And then they begged for, you know, normal people to pledge. I would love to see the stats on the amount of money that was raised and not that Australia doesn't deserve it sure. and that they don't need the help. But I think it's one of those things that it's like captivated the news in our country. And it's just, it's pulling up people's emotions for sure because you're not seeing. So apparently there's 10,000 camels that they're actually slated to go out and kill in Australia because they're being displaced and they're actually coming into like the communities. They're feral camels, but the Australian authorities are going to go kill them. Huh, like, but you don't hear anything about that. But you don't hear anything about it. So, yes, I mean, fundraising efforts always tug on your heart. They, they're going to find the most pitiful case, which does need help. Absolutely. No doubt. Um, but also don't forget that people, people give for a reason, right? I sure. mean, when you can give back in whatever form or fashion, it, it does make your heart feel good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, one of the stories was a, a dog named Taylor that's helped to rescue eight koalas thus far. Basically, um, they train the dogs to, to pick up the scent of the fur. Oh yeah, and that's how how they do that. We have we talked about some of these service dogs and some of these. We have through like Hero Dog Awards and that kind of thing. We've talked through some of it some and of how pretty, amazing they it's are. It's pretty amazing. The whole scent, the bomb sniffing dogs. Mm -hmm. um, I, I I would like to learn a little bit more about that. Okay. Not not that I'm going to start doing that, but <laughs> I don't know. It's just super interesting to me. Um, one reason I think the koalas are at the top of the list as far as animals that they're trying to save is they still are are somewhat in danger of uh, becoming extinct. So uh, they're they're pretty pretty rare. So they they are getting a little bit of, of extra attention. So that's interesting. But there's also cockatoos that are like indigenous to Australia. There's only hundreds of them left, and apparently there's like again why some of the, most of the koalas are being burnt is that there's 
there's a, a fire kind of going right through a, like, like a sanctuary. Um, huh. And so, but nobody's really talking about the cockatoos that are about to become extinct due to the fires. And that's just kind of where I'm at. Like, again, it's News. very sad. <laughs> I am, I'm devastated for it. If I could do something like one of my lifelong goals is always to visit Australia because I think they have such amazing wildlife. They have so many creatures that are like, only in Australia, right, right. Uh, both creepy creatures like bugs yeah. and snakes and yeah, stuff, yeah. but also very cool creatures like kangaroos and koalas. But yet there's... And feral camels. Feral camels. Wild camels. Is that a is a huge problem there. I would have not even thought they would yeah. have camels there. Yeah. So it's a huge, huh. huge problem. Um, so again, where the fires were, they're kind of forcing the camels out of the desert area and kind of into like population. And so they're becoming a problem. They're trampling foliage and all kinds of stuff. Um, well, kind of, uh, I guess in our industry, if people do want to help donate for that relief effort, sure. the AVMA, the American Veterinary Medical Association, they've, they've donated or pledged to donate $25,000. Um, and then the American Veterinary Medical Foundation, the AVMF, which is, um, I guess that's a charitable arm. Yes. Uh, I don't even know if it's, if it's technically associated with AVMA, but a uh, charitable arm of, of one of our groups, they are, um, promising to match individual, individual donations up to $50,000. Okay. So, so do you know where it's donated to, or is it just donated to Australian government? I or don't know it... ultimately where um, you know where the funds are are given, but I would say go to AVMA um, website avma.com or AV uh, or the American Veterinary Medical Foundation website, um, and you should be able to figure out a way to, to donate if you. So, if you so I think choose. it's important that you brought that up. And again, I'm going to be the negative Nancy the naysayer over here. But when crisis like this happens, you oftentimes will find people that try to take advantage of it. So right. don't just give your money out to someone on the corner of the street or some Facebook ad that says that they're going to give money to Australia. Really research and find out where your money's going. And so that way it really helps what you intended it to help. Usually large parent organizations are going to help to organize some of these relief efforts so right. that's kind of what we're saying animals uh avma for us and and you know what are they doing how are they reaching out uh red cross in my opinion is always uh oh, certainly one of the the better ones to uh you know to to donate your money to so um okay so that's it i think on the the fires to this point um super strange research article uh, the title is Cat Lovers Less Likely to Go to Church, Research Suggests. And so... That's interesting that uh, they can identify. So, like, what if you love a dog and a cat? Yeah. So, I, so weird. Um, because cats are, quote-unquote, very godlike, which makes them more likely be, to be owned by atheists than churchgoers, according to a new study, people who worship more than once a week own 1.4 cats on average compared to non-religious people who have an average of two cats. And this is research done at the University of Oklahoma. I wish um, I could get a point four cat. Yeah, point. <laughs> wow. Okay, we, we won't kidding. go there. Um, just kidding. So I don't know. This, this guy, Samuel Perry, PhD, carried out the study because he felt uh, some of what people sought in religion was also what they sought in pets. Um, so any... That's interesting. So comment on that further comment not about that research article specifically i think it's a very weird thing to research but also like 
somebody funded this research and that's yes. what I think is like bizarro. So, and, and we've come across other very bizarre research articles and things, but the fact that somebody like he pitched this to somebody, like, I think atheists are going to own cats more own so more cats, right. than religious people. And so, I'm going to prove it. Can I get some money to run this study? Super interesting yeah, to people me. People idolizing their cats. Um, and so, yeah, the, the study, if you want to read the entire study, it uh, appears in the journal for the scientific study of religion. Wow. I did not know that existed either. But So apparently it's not a, a veterinary study, which makes me feel a little bit better that it's more of a religious study than a veterinary study. Yeah. So um, speaking of cats, there was a, a man in uh, Portland, Oregon, who is searching for his stolen cat. Um, strange story once again. He lost his cat. I didn't read the entire story months, if not years ago. Um I don't know how he lost the cat, but he recently received a note in the mail over the holidays written from the cat's perspective on how the cat was doing. And so <laughs> he got this letter with no return address, no name. Um, and the story reads, you know, it says, Dear human, Merry Christmas to you. Hope all is well. Uh, I wanted you to know that I am warm and safe and with people who love me. Uh, so how so weird is that? So here's where I go again, right? Like my janky brain. I think that somebody on social media probably found his story and felt like they were going to be a very nice human being. And to make this man feel better, they Maybe. were just going to let him know that his cat was okay. And now they've sparked this giant deal that he feels someone stole his cat and they knew him and they knew the cat. And now they're like tantalizing him with these letters of how well the cat's doing. Maybe. Isn't that right? Why else? Why, yeah. Why, I mean, I, why would you write that? I, I don't know. I feel like it was probably some lonely old person and they were like, you know what? That poor guy, he probably is devastated and depressed. I'm going to make him feel better and I'm going to write You're probably him right, from the cat's really, perspective. Because that's weird. What human, would, what human would steal another person's cat? Why would you do that? <laughs> I really don't know. You know? I, I mean, there's a lot to the story we don't know, right? Like, were they roommates? Were they lovers? And did they actually have shared custody of the cat at one point and now they don't? I, yeah. I, like, I don't know. I don't know. There's so much more to the story. Strange. But how funny. And the things that get published, right? So, yeah. like, in such a social media age and, like, everything is available everywhere, it seems like weirder and weirder stories are coming out of the nooks and crannies because we're just, we're grabbing at straws to find things to write and talk about, essentially. Yeah, no, ab absolutely. <laughs> so, so uh, evidently, this is a, a cat-friendly episode because uh, one of my last stories, if, if not, uh, I don't know, we've got a little more time, um, but the third cat story is... The world's first cat that was cloned has just celebrated its 18th birthday. So that's interesting. Is it the first and only, or is it just the first? It's the first. And so uh, Dr. Kramer at Texas A&M owns the cat. He is responsible for creating this cat. He, with other scientists there at, at Texas A&M, um, and I think it's newsworthy. Number one, it's a cloned cat. Do you... Do you recall hearing about this 20-plus years ago, cloning animals? So I do, and I feel like everyone said that it was like a big negative, like you shouldn't be doing this. But yet I'm looking, and it looks like Cece, so, or copycat, yeah, was so born in 2001. Yeah, 
So this is who we're talking about, Cece. So Dolly the sheep was the first so animal. So that is for sure what I remember because I was in like mm-hmm. middle school or high school when all that stuff kind of went around, and that was on the news and everything. Yeah. So they were they were they were starting these. Uh, procedures and processes right after I left Texas A&M. So, um, controversial, right? Oh, sure. But uh, a lot of people, you know, that had, you know, uh, one prior pet, they want to duplicate, they want exactly the same pet. They're so distraught after they lose the, you know, that, that initial pet that they want the exact copy. And my understanding is what research has shown in these clones that have, that have been successful is they may obviously look very similar physically but emotionally behaviorally oh, sure. totally different there's no there's no way you can you can a hundred percent match you know one animal uh and, and clone it in, in a second it just it's not possible and i think that's where and maybe i'm speaking over speaking a lot but um i feel like i understand that as well and maybe it's only from tv and stuff but i don't know um but that's really what they've come to with people as well and so they really have halted it because there's really no sense in creating another one of the same only so that you can look alike yeah because exactly. you're not going to be the same. So do you know if this is a service that TAMU offers or is it just um, like a research still? Or is this like the uh, only cat that has ever been cloned? No, I think there's others. I do not know with certainty, but I am certain that they would accept a very significant sum of money, whether it is, you know, privately done or, you know, just a donation. And they would probably clone almost anything or try to clone almost anything you'd want them to clone funny how money talks isn't it money talks that's right so um do you know how many presidents in years past or over time have had dogs in the white house if i had to say like right now i would say all of them but that would be kind of an overstatement um but if i think back so the first president that I can actually like think of that I knew was a president was Clinton. Okay. Now, granted, I was alive like during the George Bush days, right? right? But I wasn't really like old enough to understand politics. So Clinton, W. Bush, W. Obama, Bush had um, oh black little. Let me let me let me think. Let me think. Move on. Obama okay. had the Portuguese water dog. Yep. And then Trump, and I i don't know if Trump has a dog. He does not. Okay, because his family, that I'm he aware of. and his family do not seem like dog-owning type folk to me. Yeah. And I guess that's like weird because I feel like that's so non-American. Yeah, well, let, let's don't go bashing on President Trump. I think that happens enough about I our help. I won't go bash on him, um, but like I... I now that you bring it up, like I, I wouldn't have thought about it before, and just because he doesn't have a dog doesn't mean he's less of a human being or whatever. But it's so like un-American, and I do feel like people like the Obamas probably only had a dog to look like more of the American family. Because I think they got their dog after he got into the White House. Absolutely, um, and then they've had photos to or like portraits painted. Like I remember a lot of this going on. Scottish Terriers. What I was trying to think Scottish about. Scottish Terriers. George W. Bush. Yeah. W. Yeah. Bush too. So, um, so I don't know. That was just kind of interesting. Um, I feel like beagles are always like pictured in that makes me think of uh like roosevelt theodore roosevelt maybe because don't don't you see it like just very um regal looking beagles portraited regal looking beagles yeah the regal beagle if i ever had a beagle i would name regal regal the beagle um (laughs) 
The last thing I'm going to talk about is new vet schools are coming in Arizona, New York, and Texas. And so, so we talked about this like this time, almost this time last year. This time last year, we weren't actually recording a podcast. So we're on episode 43. We're super close to our one-year anniversary. And we're on or 40, 45. We're on 45. Oh. Ooh, that's, I didn't even thought about that. Yeah. 52. Are we going to have like a big celebration? We're going to have a big deal. It's yeah. going to be a big deal. I'm not sure what it's going to be, but it's going to be a big deal. So. But anyways, when we first started our podcast, we actually talked about some of the new vet schools going. So how? How close are they now to being open? Um, so the AVMA just approved, recently approved a school um, in Oro Valley, Arizona, which is, it reads four hours uh, from Tucson. So that one's just starting. Um, they also approved a new vet school in Long Island, um, fall of 2020, opening the doors for veterinary school students to start there in the fall of 2020. That's interesting. Uh, 2023 that's... is going to be the Arizona. So, yeah. So, the Long Island one so is... So, I think the one we talked about before was Texas Tech. And yep. you told us about how your mom was a huge Texas Tech fan. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, we did talk about but, that. But, like, you went to Texas A&M because they didn't have a vet school at Texas Tech. And so, now they're going to get a vet school there? So, yeah. It's going to be Texas Tech. It's not going to be at the campus in Lubbock. It's going to be, I believe, up uh, in Amarillo, uh, I was thinking it's Canyon, but I'm pretty sure it's Amarillo. And is it closer or further from Texas A&M? So Amarillo, from where I from where I grew up, you're saying? No, like how far away are the vet schools? Are they like because Texas is huge, right? Like Texas is mm-hmm. as big as bigger than many countries. So, so it was about it like... an eight hour drive for me to drive from A&M, which is in College Station, back mm-hmm. home to Ropesville, Texas, okay. which is about 20, 22 miles south of Lubbock. Um, so Amarillo is a couple of hours north of Lubbock. So if you notice, I'm not saying miles. Actually, I think it's 450 miles from where I grew up to College is it Station. miles or miles? Whatever I just said. Um, <laughs> but at least my family in Texas, we talk distance in like time. So right, I didn't say Amarillo is... 142 miles north of Lubbock. I said it's a couple hours north. Do you also give directions based on um, uh, distinct features versus road names? Like go up to that yellow yellow box <laughs> on the side of the road and the then way, take a left. Is that the way people in Texas talk? Um, yeah. Okay. No offense um, to the, all those I mean, Texans out there. Sometimes you do, but most often you would not. You would you would quote a. A street name highway 6282 or okay. you know go up to farm go to go so, to 41 which is farm to market fm 41 road so back in the day here in georgia mm-hmm. it definitely used to be like that but now like we're such a transient little space yeah. i guess that it, it, it's although all the roads are named named the same right like we yep. have so many peach trees peach tree yep that's very common but with, with gps it's totally different these days for sure so. but still like there are people that will give you actually that's kind of funny it's a totally different story but there are people that will still want to give you verbal directions and you're like no no no, no just give me the address yep i know just yeah just tell me what to plug into my phone so yep. anyway so texas tech is slated to open in the fall of 2021 so you know several new schools on the horizon hopefully will somewhat feel the slight shortage in veterinarians that we have. Um, sure. So I think mainly the one up in Texas Tech, the, the, the big reason 
that that got approved to, to allow two vet schools in Texas is because of the large animal, the shortage of large animal veterinarians, not only in Texas, but also kind of the, the, the Midwest. I was going to say, so that and like agriculture, right? Yeah. So like yeah. there's not a lot of ag going on in, in other parts of the country. Um, before like our ADD totally sets in. So did you want to finish up the president thing? So did every president except for Donald Trump have oh, a dog? No. no, 30 out of 45. Oh, okay. So, so I mean, roughly two, basically when you say every, it's it's almost every. Almost every, yeah. Two-thirds-ish, I guess. Is that what that comes out to be? I think so. Uh, yep, two-thirds. Um, <laughs> did you just do the I math? I just did the math in my head. <laughs> yep, 15, 15, and 15. So. Oh, gosh. All right, well, let's go ahead and sign out for okay. this episode 45. Guys, make sure to check in next week as we discuss more in the news and in our industry. Follow us on Instagram at People, Pets, and Vets. And if you check in this week on Instagram, you'll see that photograph or the x-ray of the physis Dr. Miller was talking about. Make sure to follow all of our clinics on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And then check out our blogs on our website at mygavet.com. Also, you can listen to our podcast on our website under the resources tab or get this podcast wherever you like to get your podcast from. And remember, without people... Pets are simply animals. Bye, guys. <laughs>